A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 1996 celebrated a lot of fluff, but the country needs the distraction. In the news, acts of homegrown terrorism have the nation crippled with fear. The Unabomber is on the loose. Last 16 years, these attacks have killed two men and wounded 23 others. And then, on the two-year anniversary of the Waco standoff, Oklahoma City. Total of 36 fatalities, 12 of those confirmed to be children. There may be more. One year and a day after the Oklahoma City bombing, the spread of domestic terrorism seems to be touching everyone after another bomb goes off in the small town of Fort Myers, Florida. The Coca-Cola plant is gutted by fire. Investigators find open propane tanks they believe fueled the flame. There are no fatalities, but the bombing rattles the Sleepy Beach community. It was a major story. All the local news stations had it on the television. At this time, police have no suspects in the bombing. I heard about the Coca-Cola building. It was frankly shocking. Fort Myers was a vacation spot. Fort Myers was also home to Pat Dunbar's younger brother, Mark Schwebes. 32-year-old Mark grew up in Fort Myers, along with his parents and four siblings. Mark was the second youngest of five kids, but he was still trying to teach all of us something. I may be the younger brother, but let me show you the better way to do something. After graduating from Florida State University, Mark returned to his childhood home to teach music at Riverdale High in August 1995. Music was poetry for Mark. It was how he communicated. As a theater teacher, you kind of connect with the music teacher so you can do things together. We became friends at that time also. Mark had a wonderful connection with all of his students. Mr. Shrebees was my band teacher. He was very excited about being able to put his mark on Riverdale High School. The most important part for him about teaching was to pass on that joy, that love for music. His students often compare him to the lead character in Mr. Holland's opus. It was good. 
Mr. Holland was just there for the students. And Mr. Shreebies was like that as well. However, you knew when it was time to perform, it was no more goofing around anymore. Hey, it's business time now. I was the drum major of the band. I worked really closely with Mark. He had long-term goals for Riverdale. But Mark knows teaching at Riverdale will be a challenge. It did not have a great reputation. Had a lot of kids that came from broken homes. Their parents struggled, I think, to make a living. And they were not your higher achiever students. So they were a tougher breed to work with. Mark is determined not to let his kids at Riverdale fall through the cracks. And no one epitomizes Mark's dedication to his students more than 18-year-old senior, Derek Shields. I met Mark Sweebies when I was in a keyboard class. He asked me to join his jazz band. I had been out of band for a few years. He explained to me that the music's a part of you. So he inspired me to get back into it. Mark Schwebees has entered Derek's life at a crucial time. A single mother raising four kids. She worked two jobs to keep what little bit we had. Derek provided for us. He also worked a full-time job while going to school. With Mr. Schwebees' help, Derek is trying to stay on the academic track, but it's tough when he's helping to support his family. Derek works at the local Hardee's with his friend, Peter Magnotti. When you looked at Peter Magnotti, you thought skinny nerd. Peter got the job of the fast food chain through fellow Riverdale High School student, Chris Black. I've known Chris since third grade. We grew up playing baseball together. Though they're both in high school, Chris and Peter look much younger and are often picked on by their bigger, stronger classmates. They used to get bullied and pushed around. I used to have to go stand up for them. But Derek has big dreams. He's planning for college with a four-year scholarship to the Florida Institute of Technology. Mark saw potential in Derek. He had written Derek like a letter of recommendation, so he thought that he could succeed. He demanded a lot of his students. As loving and warm and kind as he always was to them, he did expect them to rise to high levels. The band was his life. He was there early in the morning. He stayed till late at night. Mark seems to be married to the music and the band at Riverdale. But he has made a little time for love. He was dating. He wouldn't tell us too, too much. He had told us that it was special. The special lady is Paula Dodd, also a teacher at Riverdale. I did meet her when I visited the school. They had so many things in common especially the aspect of teaching and their passion for it. It was a very, very good, exciting time in his life. It seems good things are happening for Mark, both personally and professionally. I talked to Mark on the evening of April 29th. He said that he was going to have an ice cream social with the band. The ice cream social was a time we invited students from all the area middle schools to come meet with us talk to Mr. Schwebees to get them to want to join band. He was talking about a friend that was helping him out with the ice cream social, that she was on the way over and going to drop off some things. Our conversation ended, and that was my last conversation with him. Mark Schwebees and some of the marching band members throw their ice cream social. We had a great turnout. We ate ice cream. We welcomed the eighth graders. It was just a normal night. The event winds down around 9.30. 
The high school's parking lot is nearly empty when Mark pulls out. And then Mark had left and driven home to his house in Pine Manor. 911, what is your emergency? Two shots just fired near Park Meadows Drive. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's just after 11.30 p.m., and Lee County emergency responders report to the scene of a shooting in the Pine Manor section of town. We saw a house with a door that was open with a male lying on the ground. He had a gunshot wound in his lower back area and then a fatal wound to his head. After the victim is declared dead at 11.38 p.m., Lee County investigator Dean Tabor arrives at the scene. When I got there, it was a big scene. It was right on the corner of Cypress and 8th Avenue. The body was still on scene. I was a reporter um, at the news press um, in Fort Myers, Florida. I went over to the crime scene. There was yellow crime scene tape. 
flashing lights, sheriff's deputies putting yellow evidence markers at various places in the yard, and the usual little cluster of concerned neighbors wondering what's going on. Police are responding to a shooting in the Pine Manor area tonight. At this time, details about the shooting are unclear. We entered the residence. We found blood that was on the door frame, buckshot pellets in the wall behind where he was standing at the door. From what we saw, it didn't look like a forced entry. We did find a couple of spent shotgun shells that were laying out in the front porch area. Investigators collect the shell casings and continue searching for evidence. In the victim's Bronco, the investigators found a fire extinguisher. They found a bag with canned food and staplers. We didn't know why they were there. We didn't know where they came from at all. The puzzling items aren't the only clues investigators find in the Bronco. There was an ID from Riverdale High School. The badge IDs the deceased. Turned out that the victim was Mark Schwebe's. Now a teacher had been gunned down in his doorway, which was just unthinkable. In the car, we found his wallet with some money in it. When investigators collect $65 in cash, one theory is ruled out. It didn't seem like it was a robbery at that point. With robbery ruled out as a motive, investigators go door to door to uncover clues as to why this young teacher was murdered. Most of the neighbors heard the gunshots. One witness claimed she was returning from the grocery store when she heard two blasts and then a loud car drive away. Everybody had different stories. People would tell you different races, different genders. Eyewitnesses gave different colors for the car, different makes of car. The only consistent thing was the gunshots and a loud vehicle leaving the area. While Mark's body goes to the medical examiner for autopsy, investigators contact Mark's family in Fort Pierce, Florida. My phone rang and I said, hi, Daddy, what's going on? And my dad said, it's Mark. He's dead. Daddy, what are you talking about? And then my father said he was murdered. And I don't recall saying anything. Apparently, I just started screaming. In the hopes of uncovering better leads, investigators go over the evidence found inside Mark Schwebe's home. Among the things that investigators found was a message on Mark's answering machine from a female voice. Hi, Mark. Who said that she was sorry that she hadn't been able to come to this ice cream social. I'll explain when I see you. All right, give me a call. Why didn't she come to this event? Why is she calling to make an excuse? Who is she? One of the neighbors had mentioned a day or two before they had saw a female in a red Corvette come to his residence and take a couple of bags inside. So we started to try and identify who this person was. By 642 that morning, with the help of the principal of Riverdale High, investigators tracked down the female caller who drives a red convertible, Paula Dodd, Mark's fellow teacher and girlfriend. Paula has already gotten word about Mark's murder. We met with her, talked about her relationship with Mark Sweebies. In her mind, it was a blossoming new relationship. 
Investigators ask about the message on Mark's answering machine, where Paula stood Mark up at the ice cream social. Paula explains she was meeting with Bob Mann, another boyfriend, but that she was meeting him in order to end their relationship. She told investigators that it was a rough breakup and part of the reason she didn't ever get to this ice cream social. Paula also claims Bob left her house upset around 10.30 p.m., just one hour before Mark's murder. That heightened investigators' interest because now you have a little drama going on here. We were thinking that the ex-boyfriend may be involved because she was breaking it off with him. And that might have put him over the edge. And it certainly seems like the most obvious explanation for why Mark Schwebe's is dead. News of Riverdale High School's band teacher Mark Schwebe's murder has hundreds of students distraught. He was like Mr. Holland to us. He came in, he fixed it. We're a lot better than we were at the beginning of the year. Mr. Schwebe's was a decent man. He tried to do everything he could to help us. But that day, we all stayed in the band room. And then band period had come around and there was no one really there to lead us. There was no music being played. It was just a really, really weird feeling, an empty hole. When I heard that Mark had been murdered, initially, of course, was shock that something could happen to such a kind, gentle man and in such a brutal way. Detective Tabor tracks down his best lead, Bob Mann, for an interview. Paula Dodd dumped Bob the same night Mark was murdered. So was she now dating Mark, and was there a boyfriend that was jealous that might have wanted to see something bad happen to Mark? Investigators questioned Bob about Mark's death. He did know of Mark. He had seen him a couple of times. According to Bob, he had no idea that Paula and Mark were dating, and he denies having anything to do with Mark's murder. But investigators aren't buying it. The investigators found out that he was, in fact, married, and his wife didn't know that he had been with another woman. If he was capable of keeping secrets from his wife, what else might he have done? Investigators continue questioning Bob in hopes he'll trip up and reveal more than he's been letting on. Mark Sweeby's neighbors heard a vehicle with a loud muffler. So they started asking questions like, what kind of car do you drive? Does it have a noisy muffler? Does it need to be fixed? Bob admits his car does need a tune-up. It's the kind of thing that gets investigators' antenna up. They want to know where he was the night that this murder happened. He told us that he got home around 10.30. He watched something on television. When detectives speak with Bob's wife, she corroborates his story. Without any hard evidence to detain Bob, police let him go. For now. At Riverdale High School, Investigators question Mark Schwebe's students for clues. It's devastating. And I, I don't see why anyone would want to do that. I do remember some police officers and the detectives. Uh, spotlight was on Riverdale High School. We were talking to students about what could have happened. Questions we asked were if there were any students that had it out for Mark. Nothing we heard about him would seem to make him a target for anything. Finding no new leads at the high school, detectives take another look at the curious evidence found in Mark's car. Fire extinguishers, canned peaches, and staplers. What, if any, connection is there to Mark's murder? Three days later, investigators receive shocking information from an unlikely source. 
Investigators are looking into this potential love triangle. And out of the blue, this girl named Julie Shushad goes to investigators and she says, I have something I need to tell you. 18-year-old Julie dropped out of Riverdale during her sophomore year, but she still knows about Mr. Schwebe's. She stated that she may have information as to what had happened to Mark Schwebe's and that she knew somebody who may have been involved in the murder. But it's not Bob Mann. Instead, it's a name investigators have never heard before. She identified him as her on and off boyfriend, Craig Lesh. According to Julie, 17-year-old Craig Lesh made a chilling confession to her the night before. He had told her that he was at Mark's house when Mark was shot. This is a dramatic turn. Investigators immediately wanted to talk to Craig. A few hours later, at 1.13 p.m., investigators bring Craig Lesh to the sheriff's office for interrogation. His heart was about to pound out of his chest. He was scared. Craig tells them that I'm not the one who did this. I wasn't at this murder. I had nothing to do with it. Initially, he was not telling everything. He did tell us that he had told Julie that he was involved because she seemed to be more affectionate when she thought that he might have been involved in the murder. That was his reasoning. This teenager now finds it distressingly difficult to convince investigators that he wasn't involved in this crime. We questioned him for two, three hours, if not longer. About halfway through the interview, he started to come forward with what he knew. Finally, Craig breaks and admits to investigators that while he didn't shoot the teacher, he does know who's responsible. We still had not ruled him out as being involved, but he told us that they were a small gang consisting of four core members. They killed Mark Sweepies. The gang calls themselves the Lords of Chaos and its members, some of whom bragged to Craig about the murder, are all current or former students at Riverdale High School. The Lords of Chaos was a creature of the mid-1990s. You had this militia movement going on in this time period, particularly after Waco and Oklahoma City. We have people all walks of life, all different ages and professions. We're just here as the militia has been for hundreds of years. But unlike militias avowed to protect their local community, Craig tells police that the Lords of Chaos have earned a reputation as vandals. The hut was a restaurant that's close to Riverdale High School. They set the tiki huts on fire. They broke into a church bus and tore up the Bible. And there were pages of a Bible that were set fire to. Then on April 20th, just 10 days before the murder of Mark Schwebe's, they had raised the stakes. Craig claims that the Lords of Chaos were responsible for the bombing of the Coca-Cola factory. They wanted to be in concert with the anniversary of the Waco and Timothy McVeigh bombing. That's mind-boggling, even now, 22 years later, to think that we are talking about kids in high school. After all that, from talking to him, we knew Craig wasn't responsible. He wasn't there. He just knew about it. But what investigators can't piece together is how this group of teenagers went from arson to murder. 
never imagined that those incidents of the Coca-Cola plant and Mr. Shreve's death being connected anyway. Other than on television, I've never thought that this could happen. 17-year-old Craig Lesh tells authorities a local gang called the Lords of Chaos killed Mark Schwebe's. The head of this gang is this kid who calls himself God and whose name is Kevin Foster. Two years earlier, Kevin had dropped out of Riverdale High School during his sophomore year. Kevin was a rednecky kid. He drove a pickup truck and he listened to country music. He smoked Marlboro Reds. He drank Jack Daniels. Kevin is an admirer of Timothy McVeigh, the Unabomber, and other anti-government anarchists. The Lords of Chaos was a self-styled team militia. The very idea came straight from Ruby Ridge, Waco, Oklahoma City, and all of the concern about militias that was in the headlines at the time. But unlike these militias, Kevin doesn't embrace any particular cause. He aspires to the image of the ultra-violent anti-hero. He liked violent movies like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Natural Born Killers. You ain't seen nothing yet. Unlike the good guy saviors of the 80s, the 90s celebrates characters who gleefully embrace their dark side. And the Lords of Chaos have one mission, to cause anarchy that grabs headlines. With the Coca-Cola bombing, it works. But according to Craig Lesh, Foster and his gang aren't done terrorizing Fort Myers. They have another plan, and it's set to go down that very night. They were planning on robbing a Hardy's restaurant. One of the people that worked inside the restaurant was pregnant. And if she ended up dead, they didn't care. Now law enforcement must put the Mark Schwebe's investigation on hold to prevent another heinous attack and possible murder. We needed to stop them so they wouldn't hurt anybody else. So we set up surveillance. I went to Foster's house, saw the pickup truck leaving the area. Law enforcement executes a traffic stop on the vehicle. They pick up Kevin Foster and track down two others at an address provided by Craig. Riverdale High School students Chris Black and Peter Magnotti. Nobody was under arrest at the point. They were immediately put in separate patrol cars and they were transported to our office. According to Craig, there's another core gang member. So investigators move out to pick up the fourth suspect. Later that night, detectives try to question Kevin Foster. Kevin invoked his rights, and the interview was stopped. Nothing more. But the others are talking, including the four suspect picked up by police. I was me, Pete, Kevin. I don't want to do it. I know you didn't. They were read their Miranda rights, uh, waived their rights, and everybody gave a statement. And what'd you do? Knock on dogs. Whose door were you knocking on? Mr. Shady. One by one, investigators question each teen about the murder of Mark Schwebe's. It was a very long night. The interviews went on until the very early hours of the next morning. When Mark Schwebe's was brutally murdered, who could have imagined students at his very own school were involved? But police say that's exactly what happened. 
that made the news that it was four boys who had been responsible for killing Mark Schwebees. Four are charged with premeditated first-degree murder. They are 18-year-old Kevin Foster, who police say was the trigger man. Also charged with the murder are 17-year-old Peter Magnotti and 18-year-old Christopher Black. I remember sitting there watching it when they started uh, naming off names. Riverdale band students are stunned when the fourth suspect is revealed. 18-year-old Derek Shields, a band student of Schwebe's who police say knocked on the victim's door to identify his teacher for the gunman. Wait, Derek Shields? He's in our class. How is that? What is going on here? How is he involved in it? He was a pretty cool guy, you know? He was, you know, all-around guy, and he was going to college and everything. He had everything going for him. They say your life passes before you. It pretty much does. Because that's the only thing I thought of. I was fixing to die right there. The gang considered itself a militia group and were armed to the teeth with these militia weapons. On May 4th, police searched the home of Kevin Foster, looking for the murder weapon. We took books how to build guns, how to make bombs. We took over, over 20 guns out of his house. According to investigators, Kevin Foster armed his group with guns stored at his parents' pawn shop. Very frightening to think that they have access to the type of weaponry that they have and, and the motivation that they're getting from these paramilitary and militia-type groups. Through Derek's statement to authorities, law enforcement pieces together the series of events that led to Mark Schwebe's murder. I was cooperative right off the bat. I wanted them to know the truth. Wish I would at least went to the police right away. It's just I could never work up the nerve to, to go to the police. Derek became acquainted with 18-year-old Kevin Foster through Chris Black and Peter Magnotti, less than one month before Mark Schwebe's murder. They were into vandalism. They were just all boasting and bragging. Kevin embodies the fearlessness and aggression that Chris and Peter seemed to lack. They actually worshiped the guy. I could care less about the vandalism. It really was nothing serious. But Derek claims he soon realized Foster could be useful after his landlord lashed out at his mother. The man who owned our house cussed her out, got her in tears for being laid on the rent. That pissed me off. When the man evicts his family from their home, Derek decides to use the gang to retaliate against his landlord. They start with one of his other businesses, the Alva County Diner. April 26th, the Alva County Diner is held up at gunpoint. And just like that, Derek became a member of the Lords of Chaos. With statements from members of the group and witnesses, investigators have a solid case against the Lords of Chaos. The grand jury heard from the prosecution's two star witnesses, Craig Lesh. He knew about the group's alleged crime spree and confided in Julie Sheward, the girl who finally tipped off police. I put all the trust into the law, and I think that they'll make the right decision. All four young men are charged with first-degree murder. They all were facing the death penalty. 18 days went from having a full scholarship to Florida Tech to facing first-degree murder. Peter McNaughty pled guilty to second-degree murder in the death of Schwebees and is serving a 32-year prison sentence. Derek Shields and Chris Black both pled guilty to first-degree murder in exchange for a life sentence. Kevin Foster is the only one who refuses to take a plea deal. And on March 3rd, 1998, jury selection for his trial begins. Justice will be served when he's dead. The first day, Kevin Foster turned, looked at me. I saw dead eyes 
and feeling like I was looking into evil. I testified at his trial. I wanted them to know that he was a diabolical psychopath. At trial, prosecutors outlined the night Mark Sweebies was brutally killed. After the bombing of the Coca-Cola plant, Kevin was thrilled with the reaction. When Kevin was getting attention from the media, he thrived off of it. He wanted to strike again. The next target, the Riverdale High Auditorium. Kevin wanted to burn it down with Molotov cocktails. But when the Lords of Chaos arrive at Riverdale High School around 9.30 p.m., there's a problem. We had an ice cream social for incoming freshmen. That's why Sweebies and a bunch of kids were over there. Kevin and his crew wait until the coast is clear. Kevin and Chris went into the school to find some stuff to vandalize with. They steal a fire extinguisher, some staplers, some cans of food. Chris Black was out by the payphone acting as lookout. While Kevin was on his way back to his pickup truck to get a Molotov cocktail. But Mark Shrebees drives by in his Bronco and he sees Chris Black. Mark recognizes Chris as a Riverdale High student. And he notices the fire extinguisher and the canned food. Mark is suspicious and he confiscates these items. For investigators, the mysterious pieces of the puzzle are finally falling into place. Shrebees has no idea what he stumbled onto, but this surprise find turns out to be his death sentence. Mark Shrebees lets Chris go with a warning. He warns Chris Black, you may hear from the school resource officer. The teens now fear authorities will connect this transgression to their string of past vandalisms. And when Kevin says, we should do something about this, Chris Black is the one who said, yeah, we, we should kill him. Chris calls 411 and gets Mr. Schwebe's address. And Kevin jumped in my car and said, let's go to his house. Around 11.30 p.m., the group pulls up to Mark Schwebe's house, and Kevin pulls out his shotgun. I was trying everything I could to talk him out of doing this. He screamed at me to shut up. Then Kevin said hi. He wanted me to walk up, knock on the door, and lure him so he can shoot him. I said, no, I'm not doing it. And he told me someone's going to have to die tonight. It's either going to be him or you. And now I was looking down the barrel of the shotgun. I was afraid of him. Kevin and Derek approach Mark's front door. When I knocked on the door, hoping that he just wasn't coming, that's when the doors started to unlock. And then I took off running. This is when Foster raised a shotgun and shot Mark in the face. Once he fell, Foster shot him again. They ran back to the car and left the scene. When I got home, I just sat in the driveway crying because I didn't stop it. Mr. Sweebies was a good man. You know, he didn't deserve to die. Derek could have gone to Mark's place and warned him. You made a choice, and the consequence for Mark was that he died. The consequence for you is that you will serve the rest of your life in prison. At Kevin Foster's trial, the jury comes back with a verdict, guilty. When we heard the verdict, I was relieved. My parents have some peace. Foster is sentenced to death. 
you have not only forfeited your right to live among us, but you've forfeited your right to live at all. It's over. That's it. The Lords of Chaos aren't the only teen killers who make headlines in the 1990s. The Lords of Chaos case is the precursor to Columbine. It was a big warning about a trend that seemed to be starting. Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris went into their school and they killed their peers. The Lords of Chaos went to Mark Shreve's house and they killed their teacher. 22 years later, Mark is still missed by his friends, students, and family. Mark's death had a ripple effect. It devastated his family, his friends, and his music students. Mr. Shreebys loved music, he loved the, the students. Just overall good guy. And every single person that Mark knew that their lives were changed for the better. And I have to admit that he's still a big influence on in my life.